We are live indeed, right? All right. Oli, what a pleasure to have you here. For the first time, I'm going to have to record the intro for the podcast live. So welcome to everyonehatesmarketers.com, which is a digital marketing podcast for tech marketers who are sick of marketing bullshit. And Oli wants to laugh already, which is great. That's going to be a long, a long interview. Um, Oli has seen, at least he says, he's seen more landing pages than anybody on the planet. Uh, he's the co-founder of Unbounce, which is the landing page software. And today we're going to talk about marketing bullshit. We're going to talk about how to fight it together. Um, Oli, pleasure to have you here. Pleasure to be here. It's good to be in Dublin. Thanks for the invite. As you can see, obviously, uh, using our hats, we are in Dublin indeed. I'm based in Dublin. And uh, let's start by saying that we actually struggle a little bit with this Facebook Live. Uh, there's, been a, there's a buffer between what we see and what you guys see. So this is why we kind of struggle at the start. So apologies if I cursed in front of you guys. <laughs> Please don't take it personally. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't you. Um, I, as I told you before, I like to start my podcasts with a tough question instead of just the usual, how are you and what do you do and, and where you're from? So let's get in, like straight in into the, into the first question I wanted to ask you. You created Unbounce nine years ago. Mm -hmm. Eight. Eight. With five other co-founders. True. And um, what if you had to start a new business again, but with... $1,000, <laughs> six months to make, to have any results, like basically return on investment of 1,000 plus. And you couldn't use your name because Oli Gardner is a kind of a brand now in marketing. People follow you quite a lot and you speak at a lot of conferences. So the trick here is that you cannot use your name. <laughs> so how would you go about it? Based on all the stuff you learned. Interesting. Well, I mean, I almost didn't use my name the first time. <laughs> the, the whole calling myself landing page. Uh, <laughs> we can get into that later. Um, wow. Without using my name. Uh, well, first of all, $1,000 is more than we had last time. <laughs> so that's a good start. Uh, what would I do? Well, first of all, I'd need an idea. And... I, I'd hope, I, I don't, I'm not really in the camp of, okay, I want to get rich. I need an idea, right? I'd rather see something that need a problem that needs to be solved and then build something to solve a problem. Okay. So in six months, I'd have to really run around and find something that sucks that needs to be fixed. Uh, hopefully a bit more meaningful than landing pages. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, there's a, we, we technically we change the world a little bit because other people use them for good things. But uh, what would I do? Like, do you mean like what would my idea be? Yeah. So let's, let's pick an idea right now. What problems okay. suck at the minute that you'd like to solve? Uh, most of the problems I see are in bathrooms and toilets. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, like this is hard with a, with, a, with a mic in my hand, but you know when you go to wash your hands, like sinks are one part of it. And you want to wash your hands, but like the, the spouty thing doesn't come out far enough that you can't touch the, you're touching the back of the thing with your hands and that pisses me off. Like I, 
Everything about them is wrong. <laughs> I don't know. Or sh shower heads, right? You, I have in a lot of hotels. You go to a, any shower in any hotel, and it has those stupid twisty things with three modes. You can have the one where it spits on you, like, <laughs> which is really annoying. Or you can have half spit, half drizzle, also annoying. Or you can have the one that's just like proper shower, except there's nothing in the middle now. If you looked at the data, which it doesn't exist, right? We need to connect something, like we need to use uh, Internet of Things to look at that. I guarantee every single one of those in every single hotel room anywhere in the world uses one mode because everyone tries them, go, that sucks, and they put it back. All right, so let me stop you right here. <laughs> We've identified a problem. Okay. And it's, 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 a funny, it's a funny subject, but it's also a serious business in a sense, right? And mm -hmm. that's something that could have an impact on millions of lives. So... Your, the first thing, you would actually pick a problem that sucked that you've experienced yourself. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, what would be step two? How would you go about trying to make an impact and trying to, to sell something? Or uh, One of the biggest lessons I've learned is that I'd get up and speak about it right away instead of delaying that by five years. Um, but I think like, I'd make some little... Uh, Nicole, my fiancé, bought us an Arduino kit. Uh, which is really cool. It has a circuit board and all these components. So I, uh, I don't know. I guess part of a dream is that I'd make something with that, then 3D print a prototype, put it on Kickstarter, raise a bunch of money, get on Shark Tank, you know, kind of go that route. I'd love to do a physical product. I guess that's why I feel so passionate about it because I've done all the digital stuff, which I'd have to do, but I want a physical product. So you'd so. start with what people call an MVP, a sort of a, a prototype that you can actually show people instead of just talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but of course, if you, if you show them the thing that works, you have to show, you kind of need two prototypes. One that's broken and fucked, that, so you can, you know, so you can show them side by side, I think. So you take the, the one that doesn't work and the one yeah. that you made that, that work. Yeah. And or, or have like, a, uh, an, like an eject button, like an ejector seat in a car, so like in, in a future car or something. So you can have this product and you're showing it and you go, Psh! And it throws away the piece that sucks. So now life has changed. Everyone sees the transformation. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're very creative. Um, so, but like, let's 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 go back to to this idea because you picked it. I didn't make you pick it. So now you have to stick with it for the next ten minutes with okay. me. Okay. Um, you picked the problem, and I like the idea of showing a sort of an MVP or something that that is real. Yep. But how would you then go about? Like showing it to people because like Kickstarter and all, yeah, I mean, that's all fancy, but yeah. you still have to prepare a campaign for it. So mm -hmm. what would be your strategy to find out, like to find how to, to, to communicate to those people who might need such a product? Set up a lemonade stand in the street <laughs> <You know? laughs> with like a paper mache shower head and just get people going, what the fuck is going on here? Uh, you know, if you can build a crowd standing around you, watching what you're doing and, and have them do this. As soon as you get that, you know that you're, you know, you, you've got a shared problem. And that's kind of the moment of, yeah. And how would you apply this principle online? I suppose this type of product doesn't really sell very well online, would it? It will. Will it? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, first you've got to get on QVC, but <laughs> the shopping channel. Um, it, it's a perfect seller for someone on Amazon or whatever, but yeah, you, people have to be aware of it. So that needs some kind of rogue, funny campaign or something. I'm not going to use the V word. 
use it. Because that's really annoying. No, I can't. All right, okay. Because <laughs> that's what bullshit marketers would do. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, based on, like, what, what would you say is the biggest lesson, the biggest mistake you, you made in, like, the last eight years in terms of launching Unbalance? You know what? For the first six years, I would say we didn't make any mistakes. But we have since. How meaningful is that? Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> right. So you didn't make any mistake. I mean, just to, I know a little bit of, of the history of Unbounce. I read uh, a, a bit about it. And one of the key success of your digital marketing was this, um, the noob guide to uh, digital marketing. Was it? The noob guide to online marketing. Yeah. And that had a huge effect, like a huge impact on your on your growth, right? It was massive. I mean, but that's that's right. We, you know, we were part of the the kind of the set of content marketing pioneers back then. It wasn't really being done very much, so it's a totally different environment to what it is now. Back then, if you do something incredibly big and bold, which you can still do now, but then it has the potential to shock more people and do a lot more. Um, that that thing specifically was a self referential learning process because I'd never been a marketer before. So I had to learn how to be a marketer. So that massive infographic and blog post was about my six month journey to becoming a marketer. Because uh, the perfect this podcast, because I thought marketers were sleazy before I started. Uh, so kind of my mission was to like not be like that. And that was kind of part of that journey. But I mean, I, I like that concept, but you have to do things completely differently now because everybody's doing it. Everybody copied all that stuff. Um, not things on that scale. I've not seen other people do something that grand, but content marketing. So how would you go about it? <laughs> Let's say we picked a product that is not a physical okay. product that is like something, a software of some sort. Uh -huh. How would you go about like with one grand or less, okay, how would right, you go right. about raising the attention uh, that people need to discover what you do? How would you do it? Would you actually do it differently than what you did like with this big guide? Uh, I wouldn't do it that well. I'd probably, because that's kind of in me. That's my instinct. That's that's where I go to, you know, being ridiculous, doing something really big and bold and, and fast. And uh, so I'd probably start the same way, but I wouldn't spend as long because that took me a long time because the design of that thing was just like intense. Uh, but the, the tough thing now is I've heard from investors, a lot of investors won't invest in tech companies right now if they don't have any kind of AI or machine learning component to what they're doing. That's not all investors, but tech investors, that's becoming a prevailing thought. So you at least have to have that in the back of your mind, whether you're going to do it or not at the beginning, because I can't do it by myself, but you at least have to have some concept that you'll be able to in the future. Not for everything, although I would like that in a shower head. <laughs> <laughs> so it's interesting to say that like, it's rare that when I interview an entrepreneur, somebody says, I have, we haven't made any mistakes or at least any major mistakes in the first six years. That's, that's mm. tremendous. And I mean, I know what you mean. You probably did make like smaller mistakes, but the fact that you were quite successful for the first six years means that you probably didn't do that many, right? Yeah, at least, you know, not things that that you go, ah, shit, we shouldn't have done that. Or should we, we should have done it differently. We, we did, like, really good stuff. 
Uh, it's hard to think. Maybe the first five years, but um, yeah, we can talk about maybe what I mean by we've made some mistakes now in a bit, but I'm trying to get to how, how do I answer this thousand dollar question? Uh, I, I don't, th I'm trying to think what I'd spend the money on. Um, I don't know. I, I think I would just go crazy on content to begin with. Uh, but he's, uh, the hard part, because I say, oh, I'll start a podcast, because everyone's doing that. However, most of them are bad. So there's still a way in there. But, well, and then the outreach is, you know, you, you can do that. But, you know, without being able to use your name, where you can just go, hey, friends, can I line up 150 of you? Everyone says yes, and then you, you've got it. Um, so the outreach would be very different if you don't have any kind of name. So I, I think... In that way, I think I just make manufacture something interesting about myself <laughs> so that people would pay attention when I do outreach. So let's go back to that. That's the concept that I think we need to, to dig into a little bit. You are quite an eccentric personality. You have an eccentric personality. You have a, okay. a very outgoing personality, the way you dress, the way you go about like in speaking at conferences, you have a persona that people do remember a little bit more than others. So I think you have this understanding of being different right in a right. sense but not being different for the sake of it but just being uh -huh. different right so what what would be your advice then for people who, who want to to have an edge who want to, to differentiate themselves truly what what would you say to them i think actually it comes it comes down to speaking like i said i waited five years because i was really terrified but the first time i did it i won an award uh, for best presentation out of 65 speakers so it is possible to do something for the first time and then have it blow up into something where you get asked to be in tons of places. I got asked to be there, but if you pitch the right way with something super ridiculous, you can get into your first event and then you just have to be a, a total badass and you know, wear something ridiculous, practice your ass off, have something hilarious in it that's different from actually pitch to a really boring conference. <laughs> Because then you'll stand out even more. Yeah. I mean, the marketing world is, is kind of, there's a lot of people who are quite original in a sense, because that's what marketers do. They try to stand out. And there's a, right. quite a lot of people with personalities. But I guess if you go to the, no disrespect to, to the people, the, the type of industry I'm going to name, but like, I don't know, the transport industry <laughs> or, or the train transport industry of Alaska or whatever, right. if you specialize in that and have something that is different, it's likely that you might have even a bigger of an edge in a boring industry almost. Totally. And because that's a common question that gets asked all the time, how do you market an unsexy product? So if you can go to unsexy product land in terms of events and do something remarkable, like you're in a similar uh, niche, whatever your product is, and you you make it sexy when every other person there can't make it sexy, all of a sudden you've stood out and everyone will want to work with, work with you. Um, I, I love, I mean, we're in Europe, so niche is the way you say it. I, I saw a guy speak in the US in Nashville and in the US they say niche, which drives me fucking crazy. Niche for Nashville? <laughs> niche for niche, they say niche. Oh, niche, okay. Yeah. Uh, yes. So this speaker, yes. Tom Webster, I think it was, he, in his talk, he's American, he delivers and he says niche, or as they say in France, niche. 
<laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Really poking fun at like that drives me crazy on Shark Tank when someone says niche. Yeah, me too. Because that's true. You say niche. Yeah. You know. You have to. You have to say niche. <laughs> right. Let's let's check uh, if we have a few questions or, or a few a uh, few people came in. I, I'm the actual wrong screen, obviously. Well, so it was first time. Yes. MVP. MVP approach. Right. What do you like? <laughs> That's my best Irish accent. Oh my god. <laughs> That's really bad. There we go. Well, Nicole is here. Hi Nicole. Not not my Nicole. This is other Nicole. No, yes. Yes. Important distinction. It's Nic Nicole Elizabeth Demare who's uh, uh -huh. who joined Zest. Zest is, which is a, a oh, content yeah, yeah. discovery platform uh -huh. for marketers. Very familiar with Nicole. Yeah, and there's Gillian, who's one of my ex-colleagues. Hi, Gillian. It's hard to hear her, Oli. The volume is very different. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. Now, here we go. Wow. What if What if I don't say anything good from now on? Yeah. Everything else was ruined. No. Listen, there are like a few people watching, so I'm pretty sure it's not that bad. Okay. Right. So let's pick it up again. I want to go back to a topic that you're pretty familiar with, which okay. is one of the words I hate the most in marketing, which is conversion rate optimization, which yeah. is quite dirty and scienty and like very there. Um, landing pages, that's all right. And UX, <laughs> it's a bit better as well. Squeeze pages is not all right. Squeeze pages. Oh, yes. That was, that's 99. It's really like <laughs> 2000. Yes, it's unacceptable. And that question actually is inspired by John Doherty, uh, okay. with whom you speak to recently. You yeah. spoke to recently. John mm -hmm. Doherty from credo.com or getcredo.com. So let's name the, the biggest misconceptions in the world of CRO, UX, or landing pages. What, are, what would be the, the top ones that you really want to debunk today? Uh, first of all, it's becoming a common thing in the industry. They take the R away. It's not conversion rate optimization, it's conversion optimization. Uh, and also, CRO is the fucking, it's like Croatia, right? Hashtag CRO, you, you're just mixing yourself in with all these Croatians, some of whom are going to be marketers, but most of them won't be. Uh, along that line, like testing, like test, testing, everyone should be testing and testing is easy. Testing is really hard and not everyone should be doing it. Why? Uh, well, don't do it if you don't know how to do it. Well, actually learn how to do it. Ask someone because everybody gets it wrong to begin with. I did it wrong for a couple of years. But if you have a low traffic site, you shouldn't be testing. Optimization is more than testing. Everyone thinks that testing and optimization are the same thing. They're not. Testing is a part of optimization. Optimization is just making shit better than it was before. So you can do that without, like, being data-driven is the biggest curse right now in, in our world. Now, my current talk I'm doing, I'm doing tomorrow, it's called data-driven design. However, in, in like a little way into it, I take away the driven and make it data-informed. I think Talia Wolf says the best, be data-informed and customer-driven. Uh, so yeah, yeah I, data is slowing us down. It's supposed to speed us up, but it's slowing us down because I just got, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep it anonymous, but 
My CEO, Rick, shared a comment from someone in the company saying they couldn't get any work done because they wait so long to get some data and some insights, and by the time they get it and it's wrong, they've moved on to something else, blah, 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 blah. It gets in our way. That's kind of part of what my talk is about, solving that problem. But, um, but yeah, if you have a low traffic site, you shouldn't be doing that. You should just be trying to fix little problems or just like learn through observation what's wrong, MacGyvering. MacGyvering. <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. I wanted to ask you a question, but now I can't <laughs> stop thinking about this word. MacGyvering. Love it. Right. Yes, because testing is a tool. The, this, it's, testing is not going to enable you to, to optimize your site or to improve the experience. It's just a way to prove it. It's just a way to, 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 get, into, to get closer to the result, right? Yeah. Um, MacGyvering. God, it's in my head now. <laughs> um, so for, for typically for websites with lower traffic, uh -huh. you wouldn't advise to test anything, right? right? And you would advise them to identify problems. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say don't do A-B testing. So you can do other things. You can do five-second tests. You can do... Uh, you can just do, you can do usability testing, like all the different kinds of usability testing. You can do that kind of stuff because that doesn't need traffic. That just needs a few people. So you should do that kind of stuff because if you are growing as a company, like say you, you don't have much traffic, you should, unless you suck and you're not going to succeed, have decent amount of traffic in six months or something. So if you can spend that six months learning what the problems are, by the time you get there, you'll have enough traffic to actually test that. But hopefully you'll have made some changes before then. But that's kind of the mindset you should have when it comes to testing. But really, you should just be working all the time to doing the research to figure out what's actually broken so you can just fix it. Because sometimes you see something's broken and you go, well, let's validate that it's actually broken. No, fuck that. Just fix it. And how would you go about finding out those issues? Uh, simple classic stuff, you know, watching people do it. Like pull out your phone and look at your web. Do stuff on your website, on your phone. <laughs> people who haven't done that. Like if you show someone their website on the phone, look, look, look how broken this is. Like, oh, never checked that. Uh, or look in Google Analytics, like the whole mobile first thing. Again, total bullshit. Look at NFL.com, NBA.com, the world's worst websites. They have so much money, but the website's terrible because they're mobile first. And you look on a desktop, it's just a cluster. Of, it's just so bad. Look in GA. If you have, Michael talked about this the other day, uh, you look in GA and you go like, oh, 1% of your conversions come from mobile. Why would you launch a new website? built mobile first if that's the reality the truth of your business so you have to look at some of those fundamental things before you start jumping on the bandwagon and you know following how everybody else does that kind of thing so testing is one big misconception of so-called best practice that is not necessarily true do you have any other that you want to fight against today <laughs> i don't know i can't think right now we can come back to that we will Okay. Oh, we will. <laughs> um, I actually sent an email to your good friend Rand. Okay. And I asked him to find Rand Fishkin from Moz, and I asked him to find the most, the toughest question he could find for you to oh, put you on the spot right now, right? Because I haven't sent you this question particularly. It's not that bad actually. Okay. He's asking you, um, have you ever actually used dark patterns or? Um, this kind of like Good gray question. side, dark, you know, dark CRO type of tactics in order to increase sales, in order to get more leads. 
Yeah, and just for those who aren't clear, like dark patterns or like behavioral things you build into your software or the, your marketing, the experience that kind of trick people or coerce people or use negative forms of psychology to get people to do things. Or often, you know, like having a, a checkbox automatically checked for like buying insurance on a travel on a travel website or whatever and you go through you don't realize you bought it um have i ever done anything like that and let's be honest yeah and transparent right yeah if you have say it oh absolutely uh i don't think i have i've i've definitely like we we try to teach people you know because we just launched new products we have overlays you call them pop-ups if you want and sticky bars. So when we did that, there was a bit of a feeling in the office, especially from developers, because developers by their nature, I've seem to be finding is they want to change the world. Like they really do, they want to build stuff that makes a difference. So when they heard about this, they're like, uh, are we going to the dark side? We're not because technology is not a problem, marketers are the problem. So this technology can actually be a good experience when it's done right. So we try really hard to demonstrate ourselves at Unbounce how to do it in a respectful manner. And you can use the different, more advanced targeting and triggers to do it in a good way. However, when I've put like an overlay on a blog post, I'm trying to test something. Uh, instead of it being, if you see, like sometimes we have 10 on our blog, I think, different ones. But if you see one, you never see another one again. But when I was trying to get some rapid insight, I, I let it run like, you know, every visit just for a day. And then I know that's not the way I wanted to do it, but I wanted quicker insight. So I guess I was going against my, my beliefs there, but there was no trickery involved. Uh, I, someone sent me this email, uh, an unsubscribe email recently, and there was something about orphans in it, that this, this product, whatever it was, this service, this business had something to do with helping orphans in some way. The un right at the end of the email, where it should have the unsubscribe link, it had one of those good cop, bad cop things uh, where it's like, like if you want to click unsubscribe, it said, oh, don't believe in helping orphans anymore or saving orphans, unsubscribe, right? That kind of stuff's evil. So no, I've never done anything along those lines. Uh, in fact, I was talking about like, having a new interaction model for, for an overlay where, you know, when you have that classic, do you want this? No. So you can click like, no, thank you kind of thing. Do it in a respectful way. I was thinking of having a third one in the middle, which is like a maybe later. So especially on e-commerce, when you come in and they have them a lot at the beginning, you may like, I love that offer, but you're in the, I, I, I'm not even looked at your site yet. So have a maybe later. It then transitions and becomes like a sticky bar or something that's persistent and small as you travel around because you express interest. So changing how the behavior works, we can create better experiences by doing that kind of thing. But have I done anything really bad? No. That's a nice answer. And to go back to the, one of the first things you talked about, which is developers hate yeah. shady marketing. This is so true. You wouldn't believe the amount of emails I receive every week from non marketer saying you right. know, I like the podcast because you don't use those sleazy tactics and this is something I'm going to have to change in my positioning for the podcast because it seems like more and more non-marketers are listening to it because right. they're sick of it they're sick of normal marketing but they want to use it right in order to sell their product or whatever so that was an interesting the, I love this idea of having a maybe later 
call to action in on an overlay. It's pretty. That's pretty smart. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Damn it. Um, so you haven't never used anything really closely related to that. That's good. I'm not gonna try to squeeze <laughs> you to think about something. No, no, I'd it's good. I'd love it if like you you'd found one and you're gonna go. <laughs> well, I, yeah. Let me tell you, because um, the PS in Rand's email was because I found one. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't think of something. Okay, but that's good. Um, one thing I saw happening quite a lot is that I don't think anybody would say yes, bad marketing is good, or bullshit marketing, or sleazy marketing is good. Many, many, most people would agree with us when we say it's not good. You shouldn't do it. However, mm-hmm. once you're under pressure every quarter to like squeeze the conversion rate, get more leads, get more sales, this is when. A lot of marketers tend to do that and forget, you know what, those people, they're just in analytics. I've never met them. They're just a number now. Let's just, let's just put this overlay, you know, for every single person. And every time they close it, you, you make them feel ashamed, like for closing it. And, you know, yeah. so <laughs> how would you convince those marketers to stop doing this and instead try to like be a little bit more human centric? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, the biggest problem starts at the top is leadership. If we put pressure on people on our teams for that short-term thinking, then they're going to turn to those things in a panic moment. So it begins with leadership. We we shouldn't be putting that pressure. I mean, some people are self-employed, so they have no pressure apart from themselves. Uh, You know, and I think affiliates are largely to blame for a good portion of it, not slamming all affiliates, but the main premise of affiliate marketing is that you just need to get the sale. You get paid for it and off you go, right? You're not responsible for what happens next. You're not responsible for the quality of that customer, for their lifetime value, for what they go on to do, uh, how engaged they are, what products they adopt, all that kind of thing. They're just getting into the gate and signing up. So that kind of thing's a problem. So our metrics have to be tracked deeper for everyone on the team. So you can actually see whether, you know, let's say when you're under that pressure and you do these things, well, what's, what's the quality? What, track the cohort. Are they, you know, that's not going to save you in the time, in the moment. But if you <clears throat> at least can be doing that, you have evidence to, to send back up. The, like, look, we tried that and, and then these leads are garbage. You know, we did those things and because there will be a portion of people who leave when you create a bad experience. Less now than it used to be, I think, because, you know, some of the, the tactics that people use are becoming more and more familiar. So it's less of a, once it's really bad, it's less of a uh, close. I wonder how many times I put my hand in front and ch- made this blurry. <laughs> I'm going to start putting my hand behind my back. Uh, now nah, I've forgotten what I was going to say. No, but like, let's, let's, let's stop here because that's yeah. a very important thought, okay. right? Uh, and I think we need to break it down a little bit further because you, okay. you used a lot of concepts that are quite important. Okay. Uh, before that, you guys listening live on Facebook are more than welcome to drop questions on Facebook and we'll, we'll take a look later. Uh, if you're listening to the replay... Feel free to send us emails and I'm, I'll forward that to Oli. Mm-hmm. Uh, or if I can answer myself, I will as well. So you can also participate. And if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for staying on because I know it's not easy to listen to a recorded version of a live 
event. Now, having said that, let's go back to one key concept you just mentioned, which, which is extremely important. It's the fact that you can prove that good experience, human experience, that that can be proved. Yeah. And you used a few words that are important. Cohort, first of all. So you would advise to actually compare a group of persons who have been exposed to your, the sleazy type of marketing, let's say like pop-ups and, and aggressive marketing, yeah. and compare that to an experience that is much more humane. Perhaps you will get less leads from this experience, mm -hmm. but those leads might be, that's a hypothesis for now, yep. might be much more qualified than those ones that you kind of forced through at the funnel, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you know, like some of it also, another way of combating this is to have core values in your, in your company. You know, you talk about RAND, you know, they have tag fee. We have six core values as well. We don't have a cool acronym. <laughs> but uh, when you have some of those, so one of them is delight, which is very common. Like this is, it's delight has become a, a, an over talked about concept. But if you actually live by these, when you're, when you're going to set that, you know, that setting on that thing or send an email, if you ask yourself the question, is that delightful? Then if the truth is that it's not, you either have to change it or get angry at your boss for making you do that. Because um, then you're breaking your own internal values and rules. So, In Unbounce, are you actually measuring lifetime value for every customer? And are you tracking that back from the channels they came, back, they came from? Or is it difficult for you Attribution's to Attribution is a nightmare. So talk about you know, new business ideas. Whoever gets attribution figured out and it's a sim simple implementation is going to that's going to be a product that everybody wants and needs. So that's really hard. And there are people on the team doing that kind of thing. So I'm not really involved in that. But yes, we've, we've always tracked cohort, cohorts. And right now, one of the great things about that, I don't know if I'm pivoting too much here, is that because we've released new products, now we're looking at lifetime value and churn according to people who use landing pages only and people who adopt our other products. And see the difference between those things and it's it's crazy the difference but it can take you several months to figure that out so you have to have a bit of patience and faith in 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 your concepts there because especially depending on your business model we used to define a customer as someone who had paid us once so they go through a trial and then they pay us once more after getting through that now it's three times so now that cohort doesn't exist until a three-month point so you have to be really patient. That's the world again, patience. And I think that's something that a lot of marketers don't have because of the pressure they feel mm -hmm. in order to deliver results. You cannot, I believe, and that's me speaking, I'm not trying to speak for Oli here, but I believe that you cannot do good marketing and think short term at the same time. You have to let the experience run through for a while. You have to let those customers experience your product for a while in order for you to know for real whether your marketing efforts are worth it, right? I mean, as you said, if you define your business by just somebody who paid once in a subscription business, mm -hmm. you're likely to acquire people who just pay and then leave much faster. If you define your business with, like, as you said, three times or more, then that changes the whole picture because you totally. need to get customers who, are who use your product, who love it, who recommend it to others. That's a different way of thinking almost yeah and if that's who you're getting if you get if you have high churn then you have to change your marketing style 
because you can't just keep doing that. Something has to change. So sometimes you have to, you know, okay, what mistakes have we made? We made that mistake. We didn't, we didn't, we've always cared about things like churn, but we didn't set up our definition of a customer correctly initially. First of all, it was just like NTS, what we call it, neutral start. Then it became activated, which is someone's paid us once and has used certain features. Now it's three months and da 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 da. So we're getting more advanced in the definition of a good customer. Uh, you only do that by learning, but you don't need to learn that if you can hear someone else tell you there's a good thing. So hopefully that's kind of useful. Especially if he's wearing a weird hat. <laughs> right? Take me really seriously. Please. Please do. Um, but that's, I, I, like, I like what you're saying here because that's not something you guys are very voicey about, actually. I've, I, maybe I'm not reading enough of your blog or listening enough of your talks, but this is, I don't feel this is something that you're advocating enough. And I think you should because good, creating good customers is the basis of good marketing. Yeah. And that's actually very nice to hear from you because I, I didn't think you were doing it this way or thinking, uh, thinking about it this way. So that's quite nice. I, I think you should write about this subject very soon. Yeah, I, I think uh, what's coming up in January, which we can talk about whenever you want, uh, actually has a lot of relevance. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so before before recording this, before doing this this show right there, Oli dropped a, a sort of a bombshell and said, "We have something new mm. in Unbounce coming up very soon." Well, actually, uh, not something new in the tool or the product. Something new from, from an approach perspective. So the thing I said that we, do you have something else to say before I no, no, go no, okay. <laughs> uh, that we did wrong recently is and I, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus because it's a collective realization is that we launched new product and our adoption is pathetic right 7% of our existing customers are using the new product you know I, it was 6% in my, uh, when, I, when, when I actually heard it first I actually had a meeting with some people and I wrote on the top of the whiteboard, we have 1.06 products, which is devastating to read out loud like that, <laughs> right? Um, so we have to do a better job of product marketing. And part of that is we've been too nice as marketers. And I'm not, we shouldn't get sleazy, but we have to focus a bit more on product marketing, right? And learning how to actually, in a useful way, explain and share what our product is with people because you can't do business if you're not able to do that. You know, and this is because it's new for us. We only had one thing before. Now we have more than one. So it's a completely different mindset in terms of communication, uh, value, prop, clarity, all that kind of thing. So I'm going to take it on myself to kind of reverse, go back to how I was when I started, when we started the company, because I've stepped away from the marketing team quite a bit. I'm mainly out as a speaker. Uh, I want to learn how to be a product marketer. Kind of rewinding all the way back to the start where I learned to be a marketer. I want to learn how to be an amazing product marketer. So in, to kick that off, in January, I'm getting back to beast mode. I have hashtag beast mode on the whiteboard behind my desk. <laughs> that's, a, that's a one hand. Let's do it together like this. Look at that. Hashtag solidarity. Side note to myself, solidarity is the word I've been searching for a year to describe something else and I keep forgetting it. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to write 31 posts in 31 days in January about product marketing and it's going to be a self-referential journey 
kind of like back in the old days, uh, share a lot of metrics about how, like, see if I can change this number, basically. Not just me, everybody else, but I'm going to just go a little crazy again and see what I can do by doing all of that because it's, it's not good enough. So you're going to make it a mission, a public mission almost. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. And thanks for sharing this number, by the way, because mm -hmm. not many companies will be willing to share that live like this. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for being kind of vulnerable because that's also what you're doing right now. That's to be honest and transparent, which is really good. You're not the only software company suffering from this <laughs> at all. You know, that's, that's something that many, many software companies suffer from. Um, so that'll be really interesting to hear how you guys are going to tackle this in the mm -hmm. next few months. And perhaps we can do something again about this and, you know, uh, to talk about product marketing in, in more details, Yeah, definitely. which, which is an interesting uh, concept. Let's look at if there are any questions or, or comments uh, coming up. Yeah. I'll be having a pint of Guinness. See, I'm going to try one. Every time I do this, I'll try and do an Irish accent. That was even worse. Oh my God, the screen is so far from me. I can't read any <laughs> of the thing. Uh, also, learn, the guys from Learning Bound are saying, hey. So, hey, guys. So, Learning Bound is the, probably the best digital marketing conference in Ireland, if not in Europe. The quality of the speakers is tremendous, and the organizers are really nice. I love the organizers. It's tomorrow. I'm speaking after lunch. Uh, seriously, I, I commented on Twitter. That they're some of my favorite organizers, Paul and Mark. They're just amazing. They take care of everything. They're just lovely. They take care of everything in a really delightful and, and calm manner, which is amazing as a speaker. Calm is, is, is the key word, right? Because they are here for the long term as well. And once yeah. again, this is the theme that keeps coming back. They are here for the long term. They are here to make an impact. And they are taking it slow. I also very much like the way they organize things for the guests to make them feel at ease. So there's, a, right. for example, if, if a, a woman like, feel kind of threatened by like, potential guests who are not really nice to them or whatever, they can mm -hmm. talk to the organizer with a secret word okay. and say, you know, if, if something happens, we just put you in a taxi for free and make sure that you're safe. Like right. they are really taking care of their guests. And I really hope that many more conferences, you know, will adopt this. It's so important. And Rand is doing a, a, a pro project called Project Event Safe, uh, which he announced at MozCon this year, very emotionally. He was on tears on stage because there's a very personal reason why he, he started it. Um, I fully support that. And it's, it's an amazing thing he's doing because, as you can see on Twitter, right? I look on Twitter moments every day right now. Men are being exposed for the, the disgusting things that they've done um, to women. It's, it's kind of shocking how, how quickly it's all being uncovered. And it's amazing because the awareness was, or so many things were covered up. And Twitter is this amazing venue that, I don't know, it's exploding right now. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see. It's tragic and and scary to see like the truth behind some of these stories but it's amazing that it's happening so it's great that you know conferences like like learning bound are like taking this stuff seriously it's a pretty heavy subject and i feel a bit odd wearing this hat right now but <laughs> you can still make fun of me if you want to um right so nico has been tagging every single person uh, on Twitter. Thank you very much. Uh, on Facebook, thank you very much, Nicole. Mariana is saying, I'm Croatian and I'm a marketer. This is the first time I heard someone put Ciaro and Croatia in the same sentence. 
<laughs> and Nicole is also sharing us, sh uh, showing that she is listening because she just quoted uh, us saying, you cannot do good marketing and think short term at the same time. Um, right. Let's move on to a more marketing oriented subject. Okay. Uh, but I appreciate that we are talking about those important subjects as well. Mm -hmm. um, we are recording this episode on the 31st of October 2017. So if you are... No, that's not Halloween. <laughs> if you are listening to this later on, the Learning Bound Conference was on the 1st of November. Um, but they are, I think, organizing one every six months in Dublin. So if you're not in Dublin, you should make the trip. Seriously, mm -hmm. you should. Right, so let's go back to, the, to marketing. Um, let's talk about landing pages in more details. Yep. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with, with, with landing pages. Not, not the landing page themselves, but this kind of, this is the create, this, how to create this perfect landing page bullshit like <laughs> every business is different and yes you should need to use a call to action that contrasts with the rest and all these kind of things but i i feel that sometimes we forget about the people behind it and we also forget a bit about you know your business is different and so what, what do you feel of, uh, about this because i know you've been talking about you know creating this perfect landing page a few times and do you think we're going too far about jokingly this? Like I had a talk called Frankenpage, which was an, an absurd pulling all of this data and design and wrapping it up into this beastly manifestation of marketing. Um, so the, all fairly tongue-in-cheek in terms of the end result. There's no perfect landing page. That's like, I don't know. We need bad landing pages. Can I, can I, <laughs> can I tell you that this talk, I can guarantee that a few thought that was the, <laughs> you know, what you should be doing. But this is the issue with the best practice and following right. best practice blindly is that, no, it's not because you create this perfect structure of a landing page that it will convert. Mm -hmm. uh, what I love now about machine learning is that we're starting to be able to disprove commonly held beliefs. You know, uh, the number of form fields can impact conversion rates, but it's not predictive. So you can't just do it and it'll have an impact. Um, so same thing with like having your call to action above the fold. There are many circumstances, we do a lot of ours now where we put it at the bottom. Because as long as you don't have navigation, if you put it at the bottom, you encourage people to, to hunt, to have to look for it. So they see more of your content, they have the potential to become a better customer because they understand you better. And so you have to, we have to learn to not be afraid of those things. And the insights that are going to come from machine learning will speed up our access to these insights so that we won't have to, you know, try and lean on as many as, of these things as we have in the past. But I joke when I give that talk because the final thing, everything I say up, running up to that is great, but the actual final thing is an absolute joke. And I, and I, I joke with people if they applied for Unbounce using because we asked people to complete a landing page. If they did it like that, I'd hire them immediately. But no one's actually sent that page to me. So I think people don't think it's serious. That's good. <laughs> hint, hint, by the way, if you want to be hired by Unbounce. Um, there is one thing I, I, I want to talk about on the landing pages and, and, and converting this, um, this traffic is that I think... There's this research, I believe, that was um, done by WordStream, and they were talking about brand affinity, right? And mm -hmm. 
it makes sense when you talk about it, but the more qualified your traffic is, the more qualified visitors landing on your landing pages is, the more they know your brand, the more yeah. likely they are to convert. That's like a scientific fact. There's a strong causation between the two. <laughs> True fact. True fact. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> True fact. Um, and um, I think this is where people should start. Bring good, good traffic to your landing page. Don't believe that like because you have a good landing page that it's going to convert, right? Yeah, and that's what we're seeing in our, like we, we've got an algorithm that can predict conversion with 80% confidence. And, but what we've learned, because all of the algorithm was based entirely on on-page content, just the, the words on the page. When we can't get it past there, but now we're analyzing the traffic coming in. So like, the, the, yeah, your page can only do so much. And you can also have a terrible page if you have really great traffic. Right, so they all have to work together, and also we have to get better attribution because just because someone didn't convert in your landing page doesn't mean it didn't help them. Just it doesn't mean they, it didn't help them to like on their path. I've used to say all the time, don't link your logo back to your website. If you're doing lead gen, that's a really good thing. Don't do that. But if it's a branded search campaign and they come to this landing page, maybe there's not enough stuff there. So having a link on your logo to the homepage can actually be beneficial. They didn't convert there, but they might on your website. So it really depends. And we can't just blindly follow every little piece of advice in every place. But there is this a theme coming back is this attribution. And it's mm -hmm. funny because so many businesses are talking about it as a, to be an issue. Yeah. Um, so you guys haven't figured that out yet. Like you don't have this kind of model where you are 100% certain about or... Or is it a built-in, custom-built type of model that you have internally? Yeah, I can't speak to the specifics because I'm not sure. Um, but we do have people focus specifically on that. We have a large data team and we have a marketing automation person. They work together to figure a lot of this stuff out. But yeah, 100%. No, it's never going to happen. You know, we're, we're getting better and better all the time. But that, that doesn't help if it's not communicated. Right? You can have someone figuring that stuff out in the company, but if it doesn't come back to every marketer who's doing things, they might think that their campaign's not working. Well, maybe it is, you know? So it's also a reporting, it's also a communication problem. Yeah, so, so this is it. Like, think about it as a full journey, not as isolated events. And you might be surprised by the results. There's some cases where people abandon your landing page very fast, but they might come back a few months after, a few weeks after. And once, once again, it goes back to the patience that you must have in order to know whether yeah. your efforts are actually worth it. Um, I also sent an email to Patrick Campbell, who's the CEO of Price Intelligently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know him personally, I but did. he came up with a good question that I actually asked, that I, I think you actually answered, which was, what's the biggest business, business bet that you're making right now that might tank and bounce in the future? We're really confident that it's going to work. That convertibles is what it is, which is an umbrella term for a series of products. Now, actually, we have three bets. I'll just come out and say it. We have three bets, actually. We've changed. We used to have, like, tons of different goals. Like, this, 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 every, business goals, uh, company goals, and then department goals, team goals, personal goals. Like, uh, it drives me crazy. But now we have this very simple three bets. We're going to, uh, we have to fix the product marketing for convertibles, which is the umbrella term for these different tools like overlay sticky bars and many other things we're going to release. Uh, we have to do the second part. Now, I'm not going to talk about this one because it's an amazing insight about our customers that our competitors could copy if I shared it. So I'm, I, I can't talk about that one. But we figured out 
a certain type, uh, a part of a customer that makes them worth way, way more than other customers. That's all I'll say. And then the third one is, is machine learning. We're, we're getting really close to productizing some stuff. I can't talk about that either, but we've been doing R&D for two years now. Some things are working, some weren't, and we've latched on to something. We've found something that does work. So those three things, and I believe we will succeed as long as we do them right. Like, because product marketing, we don't do right currently. So we know, we think we know what they are. We just have to do it properly. And within the organization, are you actually using the word bets as the, we as the now, way? Yeah. Okay, so you have like the three bets. Everybody's aware of those three mm -hmm. bets and everybody's working towards those. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's pretty new. So they are, but yeah, we're, we're trying to structure ourselves to make that easier, but it, it's a new thing. So, Oli, you, you've proven that you are quite a transparent and honest person. Unless I'm lying. Uh, wait, wait for it. <laughs> um, I want to put you on the spot right now okay. and try to find something, uh, find an answer to this question. Um, what is, like, you've been very voicey as well about, like, transparent about the story of Unbounce and how you get started and all these kind of things and, mm -hmm. and, and on stage as well. Can you think of something in Unbounce or you uh, as a marketer that you haven't told anybody ever that ever? you want to share today that might be valuable for people? Wow. Ever. Ever. Well, I'm not going to come out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. There is something that's only been told like once or twice mm -hmm. on small podcasts. Mm. Uh, I, whether it'll help or not, I don't know. Like this was like quite early on, maybe two years in, we ran out of money and the decision was made that someone, one of the six founders would have to come out for an undetermined period of time. And we couldn't stop the product development. So it was decided marketing would take the hit. So that was me. So basically I was going to be, I would have had to leave Unbounce. I would still be a founder, but I'd have to go and do something else, find another job for no idea how long. Uh, and I accepted that. It was actually quite upsetting until one of our other co-founders challenged me on it. He said, why the fuck are you okay with that? And I wasn't okay with it. Um, so I went home and I, I don't even remember what I did. Like I, I didn't remember this had happened for years. Like I, I pushed it out of my memory because it was so emotionally disturbing that I didn't, I, it came out in a conversation in Montreal with uh, Dan, our director of content, who just left, and I, I just kind of remembered it. But so I went home and I, I found, like, I, I played with numbers. I don't know what I did. I did something that made it work. Whether it was taking this much from, we paid a, a few of us got a little bit of money, not a lot, and I don't know. I found a way and came back, presented it, and I was like, oh, you're right. And so I didn't leave because if I, if I had left, we would not be the same thing because our marketing was so important in the early days. There's no way we could have done without it. Uh, so I, I think questioning things, you know, even if, yeah, I don't know. Like if I hadn't questioned that, we wouldn't be the same company. Wow. That's a pretty good story. I have to say, uh, <laughs> thanks for sharing it. Yeah. Um, but that, that goes to show you the. That creating a business, launching a business, even when you have five other people to rely on, could mm -hmm. be really tough mentally, psychologically, and 
the fact that you kind of forgot about it on purpose to not be, you know, <laughs> yeah. hit on, uh, to, to be hit by it all the time is, is pretty telling as well. So thanks for sharing that. This mm -hmm. is the type, this is the, the answer I was looking for. <laughs> this type of answer at least. Okay, good. Um, as I said, I've, I've received a few emails in the past around um, non-marketers. So people who are not necessarily in marketing and want to get into the marketing field. So mm -hmm. not developers per se who want to use marketing in their product, but more younger graduates who want to get into the marketing field. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure you're going to go against the grain compared to most advice, career advice out there. But what would be your, your number one advice for those, those aspiring marketers who want to to get into the field what would you do if they were them if you were them sorry i i'd become macgyver first uh you have to start getting pissed off at the world i think is it, uh, analyzing looking at everything around you all the time and everything you see that sucks figure out a way in your mind or whatever to solve that problem whether it's sinks or shower heads or whatever when you do that you become a better designer, a better optimizer, a better marketer, a better business person. So that's kind of where I'd start. But I'd also learn how to write, learn how to code a little bit, like buy an Arduino and do that, like figure out some stuff because you need to learn a little bit of coding, even some basics. So you can either call bullshit on someone who says, oh, we can't do that. Um, or, or, you know, so you can at least get scrappy and make something yourself. Uh, you know, <laughs> growth hacking. I hate the term. <laughs> you said it first i <laughs> <laughs> no, didn't use the v word though um, that's true i mean for me all all that is uh it's a term that has been benef beneficial because it's empowered technical marketers some people don't even like that term but uh to have an identity because developers i've said this before developers often look down on marketers <clears throat> because they're not technical you know or you're not smart or you're sleazy or whatever uh but some marketers <clears throat> know how to do this stuff. So having that term that people could latch onto has actually been beneficial for the marketers who don't fit into that usual slot. And our our growth guy, Brian Hemerick at Unbounce, is just savage. As uh, he, He's from Dublin. Uh, at least he's from Ireland. I, I hope I didn't get it wrong. I think he's from Dublin. He uh, he's, he's just insane, the things he does. And I think it's because he's got a bit of that technical background uh you know so oh, and learn to speak start speaking we just put on uh, i think called center stage which was a two and a half day boot camp workshop in the unbounce office for getting more women speakers in marketing so we had 15 women come in we had five coaches had me michael agard we had krista seiden from google kristen Kraft for who was at wistia previously and it was incredible just going through that kind of thing. So learn to speak. And that I think that, that fits pretty much in with the next question I wanted to ask you, which would be, what are the top three resources you would recommend marketers out there? I suck at this question. I really do. Every time I get asked, like, I, I don't know whether this means I'm a narcissist or, or, or just lazy in some ways. I don't pay attention to a lot of what goes on. I, I don't have resources of my own. I'm very self-focused and driven, and I just make up my own shit. I don't pay an awful lot of attention. I mean, obviously, resources for me are other speakers. So 
dinner conversations or, or watching a few of them speak at conferences. I don't watch everybody. I watch a couple of people. Uh, that's where I get my stuff. I would say we're about to launch something in two weeks that I can't, also can't talk about, which is really cool. So follow me on Twitter or whatever, and you will hear about it in about 10 days or two weeks, which will be a great resource uh, for any marketer. Um, other than that, I don't know. I, you have to ask someone else that question. because I, yeah, I get you. I get you because I, I would be the same. I mean, I do read a few books every now and then, but I tend to learn most of my stuff now from this right now. Yeah. Like it's crazy the amount of stuff I've learned by just talking to, recently I talked to Andre Chaperon, who's an email marketing genius, genuinely. Right. You wouldn't believe what he comes up with. And I learned so much from him in an hour. Mm -hmm. I couldn't learn, I, I wouldn't have been able to learn that anywhere else because he's the only one doing right. what he's doing. And this is it, I believe. Like once you become a creator instead of a consumer, this is how you can start to learn. You, you, you learn by just listening to others when you're creating your uh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and be a maker, you know. Buy a 3D printer or an Arduino, whatever it is, start making stuff, start MacGyvering stuff. I have a slide in my, in my talk where I, I show how I MacGyver the, the, the shower curtain in our bathroom. And it's so good. <laughs> to go back to uh, to go back to what you said about Unbounce and the new feature. Once again, if you're watching that on replay, it's very likely that you guys would have released it already. So check out the Unbounce page, Unbounce.com, and, and yeah, see what they've come up with. Yeah, something on our blog for sure. Yeah. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you, and actually you mentioned it, which is pretty good. What speakers or like marketers would you recommend me to speak to in this mm. podcast who are not so-called famous or we don't have like the aura that Ron Fishkin or St. Godin or yourself would have, like people who are looking to get into the scene who, whom you know are very talented and creative and, and smart and whatever you want to call it. That's, um, yeah, it's, it's so hard because the, there's so many, the, 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 the obvious standard people, I mean, and this might be obvious too, but, um, Andy Crestadina is like one of the best content marketers alive. He's also the nicest man alive. Um, uh, we had, there was a guy, Tyler Farnsworth. We had speak at CTA conf this year, our conference in Vancouver. Uh, he's a lovely guy too. He was quite impressive. Um, and we, I, we do a lot of research on the speakers that we invite and I didn't do any research on him other than I was speaking at a gig in Phoenix and I killed it. I was amazing. It was my first gig of the year and I knew I was amazing. And I got the speaker ratings and I was number two. I like 40 speakers. And I was like, who the fuck beat me? And they said, this guy. I said, all right, we're getting him. Didn't need to look at a video or anything. I just said, we'll get, we'll get him. If he beat me on that day, that's all I need to know. What do you speak about? Uh... It was influencer marketing, I believe. I mean, I didn't see that. He modified, <laughs> we were at the speaker dinner the night before CTA, and I said, so, she's doing the same talk, right? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, well, I don't know, this one's not good. It was, but it was a modified version. Um, I would say there were, oh, Alexa Hubley at Unbounds. So we, I coach, we coach several people every year. She spoke at CTA, like we, we did a, we said, hey, anyone pitch if you want to speak to our, our employees. And four 
women applied. There were no guys because they're lazy. And they all did a short presentation. We picked her and then coached her. For, here's a tip for you. Uh, she didn't, you know, I'm a founder. Sometimes that's scary. I don't know why, but I guess it is. And she didn't go like with some email like, hey, is it okay if I reach out for some help? She sent me eight calendar invites like with, you know, hour slots for speaker coaching. Okay. Yep. 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 <laughs> so that's like, if you want to get into it, that's how you do it. Um, she was awesome. And she's now speaking at a bunch more events. She did one with Google, Krista Seiden, um, got her in there. It was great. They did that a couple of weeks ago and she's going to be speaking at Conversion Exile next year, Pepelia's event. So I, she's wonderfully charming and has a great her, her talk is great right now, what it's about. It's about customer marketing um, and very human-centered customer marketing. So, yeah. Interesting. Going to yeah. send them emails. Yeah. Absolutely. Let me check if there are any questions we can answer before closing this first live. And thanks for sticking with us because that's a trial for me, obviously. That's not something I'm used to. And that's not something that Oli is used to because the last, the, the first and last Facebook live you did was 10 seconds. So 10 seconds, there yeah, you go. Helsinki a so few we, weeks ago. We, we beat that by <laughs> 6,600 6, times. 6,000% 6, lift. Yeah, green yeah. check mark. Boom. <laughs> Bullshit data. Yeah. So <laughs> no more question. Uh, Nicole was saying that Louis is good with the tough questions. Cool. He is. That's true. Which is nice. I never want to be asked again. What are the five essential elements of a landing page? <laughs> Fuck that shit. I didn't ask. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Oli, before we, we stop this first Facebook Live uh, live podcast episode, mm -hmm. anything you want to share? Uh... I've never said this on, on like I, I talk about Nicole all the time, my fiance. I love you. <laughs> never done it before. So fucking That's cheesy. <laughs> oh my god. I, and She's gonna it, be glowing red right now. She's not here back, with me in Dublin. And in the back of my mind, I was like, please don't say that. Please don't say it. <laughs> I do feel kind of cheesy right you now. Are cheesy. But I'm wearing a green hat. Like he's all his pinned tweets. He's him and Nicole like after you proposed, right? Mm -hmm. I thought the French were romantic. Fucking <laughs> the Canadians are. Well, I'm also, it was in Scotland and I, I grew oh, up in Scotland. Go. So maybe oh, there that's you why. go. Right. Um, where can listeners and watchers, viewers of this, of this live episode or even the replay can connect with you, mm -hmm. learn more from you? Twitter is the easiest. I'm, that's where I respond fastest. Just Ollie Gardner on Twitter. Uh, you can email me, ollieatunbounce.com, but Twitter is the fastest way usually. All right. Yep. That's it then. Cool. Oli, once again, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. This has been awesome. Great. Okay, bye guys. Thanks for sticking sorry around. Sorry for embarrassing you, Nicole. Y yeah. And myself. Not sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email list uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a one-to-one as a -one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you 
my numbers and how many listens we get. And I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests. And perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday. So don't be afraid to subscribe. I'm not going to spam you. And you can always uns unsubscribe for sure if you wish. The second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback. We know that this show is not perfect yet and we always... Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing I like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on iTunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five star review it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.